Welcome sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. and welcome to another episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. I'm Bill. I'm Linda. I'm Hardy. I'm Charles. I'm Seth. I'm Chris. And we have a couple of special guests on the show with us today. <clears throat> Bill Hedges from uh, Cosmic Film Studios and uh, also Josh Cato, who's been on the show a couple of times, uh, you know, well known in the cosplay community for his awesome cosplays. He shakes his head no, but we know the truth. He's he's a little bit too modest. So anyway, a bunch of us. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, the only ones that didn't go were Seth <clears throat> and Charles. But the rest of us went up to see uh, Bill up in Lyons, Nebraska yesterday at Cosmic Film Studios uh, for something we like to call uh, Cosmicon. And um, so, uh, Bill, tell us a little bit about, uh, if you can, about where you got the idea to set up a studio and start filming sci-fi stuff. Well, it's, uh, it started a few years ago. Uh, I built, I, I had acquired a few props from uh, actual props from uh, the TV series Lost in Space, and I ended up building a a little room in my basement that incorporated those props, you know, kind of a small replica of the Jupiter two spaceship, the interior. Uh, yeah. And after that, uh, I thought it'd be fun to film a little, uh, big net, uh, you know, a short film in there. But, uh, I realized it would be kind of limiting because, uh, it's such a small space and there's only so much you could do in there. So I got the idea to, you know, see if I could find a bigger space, space like a you know a big shed or something where i could actually build some exterior sets uh -huh. and at that point i found out the uh, old lions theater was for sale and it had been closed for you know about 30 years but it, and it had been turned into a furniture store and other businesses but uh uh when i went down to, to see it it was just perfect for what i could use it for and i had you know nice uh, clear span auditorium and you know had you know air conditioning and heating already in it so uh, but one of the main uh, selling features for it was I used to work there uh, when I was a kid as a projectionist during high school so it had that uh, interest to me I you know that alone would have sold it to me because yeah I had such great memories there uh, you know going to movies there and you know projecting it <clears throat> So was the uh, when you when you bought it? Uh, I take it since it had been a furniture store, there wasn't much that remained of the original Lions Theater look. I mean, all I'm sure. No, sure it did, uh, you wouldn't have known it was a theater because okay. you know they leveled the floor of the auditorium. I see. Uh, you know, the, you know the screen was gone, and everything was taken out of the projection room too, and the lobby was paneled over, and you know, completely different. So one of the things, uh, the first thing I did was you know, take out the lowered ceiling because I wanted to, you know, 14 foot high 
you know, height there. And uh, also pulled down, you know, the paneling to uh, reveal what the uh, lobby used to look like. And, you know, that was the first thing I did. Um, but I wanted to restore that back to the way it looks. So I even found the original doors that were in there and hung them back up. And really? Wow. Tried to get it back to the same, uh, you know, color scheme and look of the original theater uh, lobby. But, Do you remember what the uh, first film you saw there was? Well, it's usually uh, Walt Disney movies. Uh, you know, a lot of the uh, live action classics like Swiss Family Robinson and you know, <clears throat> 3,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And well, one of my favorites is The Absent Minded Professor. <laughs> that seems appropriate for you for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> Just because you're well, all into all these gizmos. and Since that... Uh, the uh, movie when I first saw it, uh, I always wanted a Model T, uh, you know, touring car like uh, Fred McMurray had. Oh. And it was just a, a few years ago that I actually did, you know, acquire one. So, yeah, that's a pretty nice looking vehicle yeah, there. So, you, yeah, so you've got that Model T and you get a hover conversion for it so I can actually fly it like he did. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. So, you got the Model T, you got another old uh, truck in there too, right? Yeah, that was uh, when I couldn't find a Model T way back then. Uh, I settled for a Model A, rebuilding that because my uh, grandfather had a 29 Model A pickup. Oh. So uh, this was pretty much a frame up build uh, uh, that dad helped me with. And uh, I ended up you know, painting it like the, uh, the truck they had on the Waltons because I always liked that show too. <laughs> Now, you've actually uh, managed to get your hands on the original projectors that were used in that theater. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, when it closed in 85, the, uh, the owner uh, took out all the projection equipment when he sold it and uh, had it stored in his garage, I suppose, intending to sell it somewhere else. But he never ended up doing it. Huh. And as shortly after I bought it, he uh, contacted me and wanted to know if I wanted to buy him back. And huh. So I jumped on that and I couldn't believe that they were still around. And uh, he uh, oh. sold them to me, uh, you know, fairly cheap too. I think he just wanted to see them, uh, you know, restored and saved. Uh, sure. Because he was, uh, really enjoyed, uh, you, know, the, you know, the theater too. And uh, so I was able to, uh, you know, fix up the uh, projection room just the way uh, exact same way it was when I was uh, working there and huh. it was built in 1947 so wow. these are the original 1947 projectors that were <laughs> so you said you restored them do they work or are they just right now I think you you froze up a little bit so what was that oh um, I have wired it up so uh, I could actually, uh, one actually runs right now, and I wanted to do the other one too. And, you know, since I uh, got them in there, uh, that gave me an idea for uh, one of my episodes that I want to film. Uh, so it's going to have a projection booth in it. Nice. Mm -hmm. So you're actually, so you've got this um, old theater now that you've converted into kind of a working production studio, right? And so you've started filming your own series, which you call Cosmic Cat. And um, <clears throat> you and one of your cats are the star of the show. And um, 
do you want to tell us a little bit about where the idea came from for the show and, and uh, what your idea was in, in uh, producing these uh, episodes? Well, uh, shortly after I bought the building, you know, the first thing I did was to build the exterior of the spaceship, uh, which I finally had the room to do, you know, at least the partial you know, main part of it. Or, you know. And this is the, the spaceship, uh, the Jupiter 2 from Lost in yeah. Space? Yeah. And, but then I, you know, decided uh, that I didn't want to risk copyright infringement, so I actually uh, made my miniature, you know, a variation of it. But uh, the idea for the uh, series came about was uh, uh, I did had, before that I had done a short uh, called Tunes's. Uh, uh, it was kind of a Tunes's you know, short that you know had uh, you know like the uh, Saturday Night Live one, and I uh, that was kind of like like a proof of concept for me that I could use a mechanical cat, re, uh, real cat in the series. And the reason I have a cat in there mainly is because uh, uh, I knew I, it was going to be a long-term series and I knew I could be around for one of the characters, but uh, I didn't think I could really count on having another, uh, you know, actor, you know, that I could count on for the whole series. So right. then I knew that I'd always have a cat, so <laughs> I thought I'd make him the main character. And also I thought, you know, the cats are, you know, uh, so pre prevalent in uh videos so i thought that would be a, yeah. kind of a, a <laughs> it just sort of fits right into the internet and also the fact that you know lions is so far from you know the filmmaking community, like in omaha right. you know, i didn't i didn't think i'd be able to get uh, any actors in coming here but you know that kind of changed uh, when um, other people found out about the uh, studio and you know i volunteered uh, to help with it so I usually, it, the episodes consist of me and my cat, and then I always have a guest star, which, uh, uh, you know, will be in one episode. Right. Or in Katie's case, multiple. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She, uh, I was so, uh, felt so privileged that she wanted to be in it, and especially when she uh, you know, enjoyed it so much that she wanted to return. So I'll, I keep writing her into the episodes because uh, she's so good. You know, yeah, she, so. she elevates the episodes uh, to make <laughs> up for my poor acting ability. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. So there's a picture on screen now of uh, Bill building the uh, the exterior <coughs> of the Jupiter Two in the uh, soundstage now that uh, in the converted theater there. So um, and I saw yeah. in the news where they're actually testing up uh, wood for satellites to see how it holds up in space now. Oh yeah. Oh wow. They've got one up there already. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. So I was kind of ahead of the uh, curve there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> what would you guys First, think? I use uh, aircraft, uh, use spacecraft uh, grade plywood. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. What would you guys think if you were on a starship and you came to a planet and found wooden satellites? Oh. <laughs> Wow. Must be from the driftwood. That's not as bad as a wooden rocket. Yeah. The wooden rocket would scare me. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, would that be would that be the interstellar equivalent of hearing da -da ding 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 ding? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Little dueling banjos. Yeah. <clears throat> 
Yeah. That reminds me of uh, a friend of mine I had that we called uh, Bomber John. And uh, I uh, went over to see him uh, to buy a, a handheld flamethrower for a Halloween costume I was doing. And uh, he's demoing it to me and he's shooting these flaming balls of fire out of it. And they're landing into a box he has of rocket engines. <laughs> Model rocket engines? Yeah, I'm like, oh my God. Is <laughs> Bomber John still out of, is he, has he been arrested yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but uh, the ATF did come and uh, interview him for quite some time a number of years back. With a name like Bomber John, I wonder why. <laughs> Did he give them your contact info, Mr. <laughs> Purchaser of a handheld flamethrower? Uh, I never uh, never heard from the ATF, interestingly enough. So maybe not. So this made me think of a question for, for Bill Hedges. Um, you do a lot of your own special effects, practical effects, has there been any that you've second-guessed yourself on because you thought, well, this might be a little dangerous. Maybe I don't want to do this myself in the in the studio. Uh, uh, not really, except you know when we were doing. Uh, I had a, a uh, another actor. He was uh, subbing for me as a stunt double for some of the uh, you know hanging uh, spacewalk scenes and. You know, I was worried a little bit because it was so stressful for him, you know, because <laughs> it's actually pretty much a you know, hard workout when you're hanging there, you know, for mm. a long time. I mean, it, between shots would, you know, have him supported. But, uh, you know, it was, he had a really great workout uh, when he was, uh, you know, doing that, those scenes hanging from the, uh, you know, the flying harness for, you know, all that afternoon. I'd be afraid somebody would hoist me up in that harness and then they'd go out to lunch and leave me hanging there. Leave you. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if it was Josh. I'm sure that would happen. So that yeah, was, I wasn't thinking about yeah. it. That's about the only time I thought, you know, it was, you know, slightly, you know, dangerous, but. Yeah. Well, you kind of know what you're doing. So let me ask you this. So you create all these amazing props that we got to see a lot of yesterday and do a lot of photo ops with, which was great. Um, now, you, um, when you were working, you worked for the Postal Service. And so I don't instantly associate somebody working with the Postal Service to being, you know, sort of an electronics genius wiring all of these things together and creating all these amazing props and stuff. How did you, how did you get into that? Where did you learn to do all that kind of stuff? Oh, and as a kid, I uh, visited my... Uh uncle in North Carolina, and he had a, you know, garage uh, TV repair business, you know, on the side. Uh -huh. He gave me his old uh, Army electronics training manuals, and also a, a BOM meter, and uh, that got me interested in electronics, and after that, I became a, you know, electronic hobbyist, and I'd even, you know, take part old TVs for parts and, you know, stuff that I'd find. And that got me interested in electronics. Yeah. Well, those old TVs can be dangerous. They can hold uh, quite a lot of uh, amperage in those, can't they? In the capacitors and stuff, you have to be really careful. Yeah. I, I didn't get shocked too much. <laughs> too much. <laughs> too much. <laughs> enough, to, you know, enough to respect them. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, well, that's I mean, always uh, kind of kept me out of the back of those old TVs just because of the, you know, uh, risk of death just from touching the wrong things there. And you're, uh, you've actually just recently bought a couple of uh, old TVs like that that you're planning to restore, right? Is that yeah. that's for upcoming episodes you're planning? or? Yeah, I, I did have a collection, I had a collection of, uh, you know, some old uh, 50s TVs, but I wanted to do a time travel episode where we go back to 1967. So, and it involves a, a TV repair shop set in that time too. So I uh, bought a couple of 60s uh, televisions that I want to address the uh, set with. So are you going to uh, <clears throat> hook them up so that they actually play images then or? Yeah. Um, and I'll even have to um, make a, a fake, fake uh, 60s a program you know yeah. be shown on them too you know for copyright reasons so. right, right. Well, kind of fun in itself makes some <laughs> nice the uh you know sitcom or western yeah. or something i can have playing on our commercials yeah now uh chris i noticed um you were kind of enamored with some of the uh the old computer gear that uh bill has acquired recently you want to talk yeah, about he some had of that a stuff really that... really old mainframe type system that he's collected some parts of um and and i'm actually curious uh bill could you tell us where you where you found those yeah uh, uh, um i always like the uh, burroughs uh, computers because the um, control consoles uh from the burroughs uh, 205 system were used on the show lost in space and uh, I ended up actually acquiring a, one of the faceplates from one of those units from another collector, and I made some replicas of the other three or two that I needed for the uh, you know, control uh, console. But then uh, uh, somebody alerted to me that there was a uh, Burroughs uh, 220 uh, control console that came up for sale on eBay, and uh, they used that a lot too on different shows and also on Lost in Space. Mm -hmm. I figured it'd go way beyond what I could afford, but I ended up putting like a thousand dollars bid on it just, you know, so I could follow it. Yeah. And, uh, at the end, no one else bid on it, right? At the end of the week, uh, nobody else bid on it. So I ended up <laughs> a, a Burroughs 220 mainframe control console. Kind mm -hmm. of had to go to Chicago to get it. And he uh, wanted to know if I wanted the rest, you know, some of the rest of the uh, components to it also. So I ended up, uh, getting a couple of tape drives and a controller for that. Now, and, probably and are heavy and big. More than you could fit into your truck, I imagine. Yeah, so I had to get a moving company to move, uh, you know, the uh, bigger control uh, cabinets back. So that, our, that was probably only about a fourth of the whole computer, but that's all they had. Uh, right. So are you planning to use that for upcoming episodes, or are you just going to leave them as they are just for preservation's sake, or...? Uh, I'll pretty much leave them uh, you know, as they are. Uh, the, this uh, control uh, console here, I'll probably uh, you know wire it up so the uh, lights flash. I, uh, I won't do anything to uh, alter it, you know, permanently. But I do right. want to put it up so the uh, lights uh, randomly flash. Huh. That's the reason they used uh, these uh, a lot uh, for. Uh, computers, consoles, and movies is because, you know, they had a lot of moving parts, the reels would turn, and right. you had a lot of flashing lights, which made the computers computers look like they were actually doing something, unlike, you know, plain black box, which is right. 
doesn't suggest right. any activity. Right. Huh. Very cool. Yeah. And uh, so that uh, Linda had just shown some pictures there of uh, the, one of your <clears throat> more recent props you've created. Um, you uh, managed to acquire a, uh, a, a dental x-ray machine, right? Yeah, that was given to me by a classmate of mine who uh, was a retired dentist. And he had, it was an old 70s version that, you know, had been using for a long time. And I, I figured I could turn that into a prop. Uh, so I'm using that as a uh, part of my uh, interdimensional portal projector. For an upcoming episode? Yeah, I want to film this fall. Nice. I was hoping we could use it to, you know, maybe x-ray or repair Linda's uh, b broken wrist. Yeah. Get her back into shape, but <laughs> she, she wasn't too up for that. Yeah. Yeah. So now, um, so you've got this, the studio there and you do a lot of your own stuff. Uh, there's a little uh, pod that you've created, a space pod that was fun to um, see and, and get to interact with. Um, but you also um, provide studio facilities to other directors or producers that are making small, you know, independent films or whatever. Can you tell us a little bit about some of that stuff that you have going on? Yeah, the, the first time it happened was uh, Maggie Keister uh, uh, contacted me, wanted to uh, know if we could film a, a short there uh, called The uh, Return of the Robo Mummy. You know, so I said that would be fun. And so they came up and did that for a couple of days and uh, decided to turn it, the short into a feature. So he came back the next year and expanded it. And uh, you know, hopefully that you know, might be out this year, but it's kind of a cheesy, uh, you know, B type, uh, you know, 50s looking, uh, you know, sci-fi uh, movie. And uh, after that, you know, other, uh, you know, filmmakers, uh, asked me if I, they could use uh, this studio to film, a, you know, uh, some scenes there too. So, uh, you know, I, I enjoy helping others. Uh, you know, I even had some high school kids that, you know, from Lions that used it, you know, you know used, uh, you know, it for filming a, a project too. And um, so that's, uh, was kind of nice because it, you know, allowed me to network with other, you know, filmmakers and, You'll find out more about the, you know, Nebraska filmmaking community around here. And uh, also people have volunteered to help me with my films too. So it kind of works both ways. Right. And you provide that, that uh, service free to people that want to come in and use your studio. Yeah. Right? yeah. I uh, never wanted to turn into a business. Mm -hmm. I'd already retired and I, I didn't want to get involved in another business and it sure. probably wouldn't make much money anyway. So it's, it's just fun to keep it as a hobby. Yeah. Right. So there's a, that was a picture of Katie Ott in there. She uh, played the voice of a Raven uh, in something you were filming recently, right? Yeah. This that is was... an episode I'm going to film uh, this summer. So I had to build an animatronic uh, Raven because, you know, for this episode, this would be the closest thing to a guest star speaking part in it. And uh, right. so, uh, uh, Katie graciously uh, did the voiceovers for the Raven. I already have that recorded. So this is something I'll be filming this summer. Nice. Kind of a flashback episode, how uh, the Will character uh, met Penny. So it's kind of a, a done in the genre of a rom-com. Oh, I see. Because every episode, I like to try a different genre. 
Mm-hmm. And the episode I want to film this fall is going to be a film noir, you know, oh, style episode. Nice. Are you um, thinking of branch? I mean, so you got this sci-fi series. Is that kind of the <clears throat> general genre that you want to be in, or? Yeah, it's it's uh, mostly sci-fi, but uh, you know, there's occasions you know where you know, like in a flashback, go back to Earth, so it's not all set in space. Right. And it's I would I get bored just you know doing the same episode uh, you know every uh, time I, I like to try different uh, things uh, you know try different openings experiment you right. know make every episode uh, different have a different feel to it right yeah and I, I love the fact that you've got that huge green screen section there in the studio so uh, we're showing a picture there of some of us posing in front of the green screen. <clears throat> And uh, I'm kind of nervous as to what Josh might do with some of those photos at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Never know what to expect. But uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. Now, uh, Chris, this was your first trip up there. And uh, so as a first timer, what what were your thoughts? Um, It was uh, it was kind of remarkable in the amount of different types of sets and, and versatile that you managed to make that space bill. So it's not, it's not a huge studio by any means, but you've managed to make every kind of inch of it work. Every space is somewhat functional, whether you have to move walls around, you have a green screen to work with. Um, And I thought that was, that was great. There isn't a a space or a a part there or anything that really goes to to waste. I thought that was pretty unique. Um, And uh, I I thought it was, I thought it was pretty awesome. I'd recommend any of my friends to go check it out. Um, for sure, because there's there's so much to see there. There's a story uh, behind almost every set, you know, and, and I think it's pretty great. Yeah. And uh, you've got so you also bought the building next door, which um, for a while you turned into sort of an art gallery, right? Yeah, I let people use it for an art gallery when I bought it. I just bought it because uh, I thought if I ever wanted to expand, it'd be handy to have it right next door. Yeah. So in the meantime, I let people use it for an art gallery. Yeah, and there's a picture of Jenna with a giant sword. <laughs> as as you as you might expect, Seth, does this surprise you at all? Not at all. <laughs> pretty, big that bread, so- pretty big bread knife there. Yeah. Is that sword for one of your episodes or no? This was uh I built this medieval set for Katie Ott, and she was doing some uh, a fantasy uh, scene uh, for her inner worlds uh, uh, series. So uh, build a medieval set there. And then these swords were actually uh, my uh, son's. He had a collection of old, old fantasy type swords like that. Huh. That's an awesome sword. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would have been surprised if Jenna wouldn't have picked that up. I'm <laughs> surprised she didn't try and carry it away. Yeah. <laughs> now I will say uh, of the, the whole thing, um, Jenna was a little bit saddened by the um the uh, inability of her to go through the little secret uh, bookcase through the through the uh, access hatch into the basement like she did our first trip there <laughs> um, so as if you're uh, watching us on zoom um, and you see Bill's background there's a, a bookcase behind him and uh, he can uh, pull a little lever there and uh, part of the bookcase swings open 
and there's a, a secret uh, ladder that uh, takes you down to uh, the basement behind. Uh, the, there's a stage in his theater that he has there. And uh, the first time we went there, Jenna had no idea where that ladder led, right? He could have led into a, a basement of doom for all she knew. And she just <laughs> charged right ahead. And before we can even say, Jenna, wait, where are you going? She's heads disappeared into the hole. So uh, uh, you want to tell us about uh, about creating that? I think you said you created it for your uh, your granddaughter or something. Or I originally built it because uh, when I bought this uh, old display case, uh, uh, they had I had to cover up a you know a little closet under the stairs, so, so I wanted to leave access for it. So ah. could, you know, fix it up with a hidden door in there because I always liked the old movies, uh, like in the forties or fifties, where they had a hidden door, you pull a statue or a book to open up the bookcase. So I thought it'd be fun to put that in there. So yeah, I always, uh, is it, this is an old house. So I always like to uh, put in features like that. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of funny because uh, Jenna's like showing it to Aaron and she's like, yeah, we got to have one of these in our house. And Aaron's like, nope. And Jenna's like, oh yeah. <laughs> so i fully expect there to be a secret uh, secret door there's jenna so she did find a uh, uh a uh, ladder that uh, led up to the top of this area now this is at uh, uh bill's house this is in his backyard and so he's got like a little uh area uh i guess there's like a table under there i think bill it's like a picnic area maybe or something and there's yeah, Kind of a pergola and uh, pergola structure second yeah. floor up there and i built that uh, second floor there for the kids when they were younger so they could uh, go up there yeah mm -hmm. and well, uh, so know, katie kids, katie jenna. otten pointed out this the, the uh, ladder to jenna boom she's gone <laughs> 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 right up top so yeah so um, yeah, it was a it was a fun trip. There was there's so much to see and do there. And then so that gallery you said uh, it was a, a gallery for a while, and now you've kind of um, redone it again. And now you've got like some dioramas in there. And you want to talk about yeah, what you're doing with that? The the gallery kind of ended with the pandemic. So the last year, so I couldn't film either. Uh, I started working on uh, dioramas, uh, from, you know, mostly from scenes from uh, you know the series Lost in Space. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know some of them are kind of big, so I ended up uh, uh, I couldn't really uh, display them at home, so I brought them down here and fixed up a you know a kind of a gallery for my dioramas. Yeah. So uh, I pretty much got that filled up just from working on them and, and the other models uh, last year. And then but, uh, uh, sometimes uh, lots of space fans that you know like to stop through uh, lions and. You'll see the dioramas and also, you know, the, you know, the spaceship next door. Right. And I'm also uh, in the back there. I'm working on a model railroad layout too. That uh, I've always, you know, this big type of layout that I always wanted to have. Right. Right. So what do you make all, what do you make this out of? Uh, are, are, do you do a lot of 3D printing to do those, or do you hand make them out of foam and then paint them? Uh, no, no uh, uh, 3D printing for the, the dioramas. Uh, they're mostly made of uh, uh, from scratch, uh, uh, but I use a lot of model railroading uh, materials. You know the, you know the 
plants and brush and uh, but a lot of it's just uh, you know carved out of wood but the uh, figures uh, they were actually custom made by a friend of mine uh, they won six scale figures but I'll also use uh, HO scale figures that I'll repaint and uh, reposition the arms or whatever and uh, so I, I usually stick to you know one uh, six scale, one twenty fourth, one eighty seventh, uh, even then scale. So I can use uh, you know existing materials that you know make them easier to build. Hmm. And uh, some of them, I'll use uh, models too uh, that I have, but you know I modify. So you mentioned doing some kit bashing. Where yeah. You buy different model kits and then mix and match parts to kind of create something new and unique. Mm. I did that with my derelict spaceship for my movie too. It's uh, it's most it did have some three D printed parts on it, and I don't know anything about how to uh, you know set that up. So fortunately, I had my son who uh, is my IT guy. He does the stuff <laughs> the three D printing, and I just give him the files to you know show what I need. I need a budget. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Seth's, Seth's into three D printing big time. Doing a lot of uh, <clears throat> uh, characters from Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that. Yeah. Having a good time learning learning how to do that and then painting the the resulting models. And he's got some amazing stuff there. Yeah. Well, here's the star of my series. One of them. Judy. Aww. Is that Penny Aww. the cat? Yeah. Originally, <laughs> I started out with Penny. Uh, she was a black cat. I got the Humane Society. And uh, when my other cat, you know, passed away, I, you know, I got Judy, but I wanted her to be black so she could double for my other cat if I needed her, because they both had their those different specialties. Penny's. And you also have, yeah. you also have black cats that you have animatronics to for as well, yeah. right? I use, uh, uh, I have some just plain you know, stuffed cats, you know, for long distance shots or for lighting. And also, uh, I made an animatronic cat uh, that's radio control. So anything that my real cat can't do, then I'll uh, bring in my other cat. <laughs> and you know, if I need her to open her mouth or turn her head or something, or, or also, uh, you know, I have some you know, paws that can be worked uh, if I just need you know a close up of her doing something with her paws or holding something. See, so did you I'll build the, the the entire animatronic? stuff for that was it what was that so for the animatronic cat did you construct the the animatronics yourself or did you buy something that was already there and just kind of turn it into a, a, uh, a toy cat that has motors in it and i took all that out and I, then i used the you know aircraft type of uh, servos you know to work everything i see and just use a radio you know uh, aircraft type of transmitters and receiver for that huh. and uh, you know that it, you know it doesn't look like a real cat but uh, my series isn't meant to be a serious uh, right I, you know movie I, I could watching the episodes and seeing the the very obvious cut between the animatronic and penny <laughs> it's it's i it's uh, I can't use a word other than charming. It's just right. very charming. Yes. Like yes. you, you watch that and you're like, "Well, I just love that." Like <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. It's meant to be a little bit like the, you know, uh, '60s uh, type of uh, you know TV series where mm -hmm. 
it's you know not meant to be realistic you you know a lot of series in the 60s you'd see obvious painted background grounds mm -hmm. there and, uh, and also a little bit like um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch they had yeah. Salem who was a, <laughs> a hybrid you know they used the uh, puppet controlled cat but then they also used a real cat for long shots of him walk walking huh. Yep. I, uh, I'm always impressed with the amount of ingenuity and, and craftsmanship that goes into the things you've, you've built. And this is more of an outsider question, but as somebody who's always been fascinated with, with robotics and puppeteering and, and, you know, I grew up with, with the Muppets and occasionally would see some behind the scenes where they would, have the the skin off the puppet and you could see all the servos and mechanics how do you even go about getting started learning how to do that stuff uh, it's mostly just uh you know self-taught uh, of course you know, now uh, with youtube you can learn a lot of things you know, from that mm -hmm. um it's yeah you know, my you know, first uh, you know you know cat i made for my tunes series is you know, really crude. Uh, it was like almost, you know, like I could open his mouth and turn his hand, but it was just, uh, you know, hand operated, you know, like a you know, ventriloquist uh, dummy. Mm -hmm. so, so given they keep improving uh, as I go along. Oh, that's cute. Though. Bill, if you had an infinite budget, and, and time to craft whatever you wanted to. What is the, well, this would be the thing I would make if, if cost wasn't a limiting factor and I had the time to do it. Well, I'd love to have a you know, more you know, professional looking, uh, you know, cat, uh, animatronic cat. And I actually, you know, uh, checked uh, some prop, Hollywood prop houses to, you know, see if they still had uh, you know, uh, cats, you know, they, you could have bought a, like a, you know, cat from, you know, scary movie, uh, but, you know, they were really expensive. Mm. Oh, and, you know, some of them you can just rent. So that's why I yeah. ended up my own. Because mm. they would actually, I think for Salem and, you know, Sabrina, they actually, the cat cost about $100,000 to build. Wow. Holy. 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 Wow. <laughs> wow. And that was back in the 90s, so yeah. I'm sure it'd be way more expensive now. Yeah, but on the positive note, you could probably control it with your cell phone. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And I also like to keep all my, uh, you know, effects uh, practical, too. Uh, I, uh, I don't like to use uh, CGI, you know, mainly because uh, I'm not good at it, and... Uh, uh, it's just I, I just like the uh, real models because that's you know that's the kind of thing that got me interested in filmmaking was you know shows like Star Trek with their uh, models and you know special effects that they use. So uh, when I did my series, I wanted to make sure it was all practical effects and you know real miniatures. I, and I then, almost afterwards when you're done with it too, you actually have the miniature you can display. Whereas with uh, mm -hmm. yeah. don't have anything uh, afterwards. Yeah. I almost think they'll age better as time goes too, because you can look at at bad CGI from the '90s and and you watch it today and you're like, oh, it does. This it gets is, worse. 
that <laughs> yeah this is almost unwatchable but practical effects i mean they they just stay they're the only thing you have to compare them to is the the real object you're trying to emulate and if you do a a reasonable job uh, that's that's always going to age well I mean, practical effects are seeing kind of a renaissance now with more with, people. I think they're doing good hybrid work with it, particularly on The Mandalorian. They've used a lot of practical effects and some light touches with, with CGI. And I think they're, they found a good sweet spot with that series to where you could tell they not everything's computer generated, that they built some models to go with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the the other thing that's uh, I think really cool about the Mandalorian series is the uh, the way they're filming a lot of that, where they have like a uh, basically a theater s- a screen yeah. in the round, right? And there the actors are in the middle of that, and they can display whatever planetary background scene on that screen that totally envelops them, so that you know as the actors are in there and they've got their helmets on, they get the glare off of the helmets from the scenic lighting of the planet or wherever they happen to be that is much more believable and realistic than if they were to try to do it with cgi um so that's that's pretty cool as well have you thought about doing anything like that bill where you have like a a a screen of um where you can display a panorama on it and have actors in front of it or are you just mostly green screen that'd be way too sophisticated for what i could do yeah right right well the green screen works pretty well i mean i've seen yeah so you've got the the um your uh, episodes that you filmed are out on youtube um and people should just look up uh cosmic film studios or cosmic cat or no, it's uh the website is uh uh cosmicfilmstudio.com okay and from there they can link to, your... links to the the movies on youtube and everything i see nice with the con season starting up again or cons starting up again are you going to be showing any of your episodes at cons again uh at at cons yeah oh uh no i didn't have have any plans for that uh uh, i do take them show them at film festivals uh, especially local ones i enjoy seeing it with an audience you know to actually get that feedback from them to see if they, uh, you know, like the parts that I, you know, hope they will. Now there's an upcoming that, film. Starting op- they're starting to open up again, the film festivals. Yeah. You know, the so I have it entered in a few of them, you know, this year. Well, which uh, you were telling me about one the other day that you're going to, I think in the fall uh, film festival, where's that? Uh, there's one in Seward, uh, the Flatwater uh, Film Festival. That's a new one that just started. Okay. And I've entered it in the ones like uh, Film Streams and the you know, Sioux City uh, International Film Festival. And I don't do too many that I can't actually go to because that's uh, it doesn't seem too much you know to be much of a point to that. Yeah. You know, to get a you know get an award, uh, you know, nothing else. You know, don't get to see it with the audience. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and I I think. Uh... We saw your one of your films at the Prairie Lights Film Festival um, a couple of years back, I think in Grand Island. Grand Island. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that Prairie Lights? Is that still a thing? Do they still? Oh, it ended uh, last year. Well, they didn't have it last year, but the, uh, the year before is the last year. I see. 
Huh. But the one that's kind of filled in the, that uh, void now is the Flatwater Film Festival. Okay. Uh, it's a, a free uh, one and it's for Nebraska filmmakers. I see. Are there a lot of filmmakers in Nebraska? Yeah, there's a pretty good uh, uh, filmmaking community in Omaha and Lincoln. Okay. Huh. And, uh, you know, mostly independent filmmakers. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there's also, uh, you know, some film companies too. Uh, they'll do, uh, you know, documentaries, commercials. Uh, not too many fe- feature filmmakers, but... Uh, Are you... Um... Occasionally get, you know, some that are filmed here. With with the stuff you're doing at your studio, are you basically the tourism board for lions? <laughs> well, it's uh, kind of nice that you know it's, it has attracted some uh, media attention. In fact, I, I even had a, a documentary filmmaker come from Australia to, to film uh, <laughs> a segment for his documentary. Really? Wow! Doing a been working on a uh, documentary about people who are saving 35 millimeter film and projection hmm. equipment because he's a projectionist in Melbourne and he's been working on this documentary and the last couple of years ago he came to the United States you know due to interviews with people like Doug, Douglas Trumbull and Leonard Moulton went to Smithsonian to interview people and of all places uh, Lions was his last stop. He found out about me because uh, I was on the Lost in Space podcast, and he was also a Lost in Space fan. Uh-huh. After listening to that, he found out I had the uh, theater too. So that's what uh, brought him into the alliance. Yeah. So, so he's you, editing it right now, and it should be out this year too. So you have those uh, those uh, film projectors in the studio there. Um, do you have actually movies that you can run through them to play that fit the the projectors? I do have, uh, you know, several cans of uh, reels of film, but uh, I can't really project them very far because of the wall that was built there uh, out just outside of the projection booth. So, uh, so do, you have to do some... I do want to work the projectors into an episode. I can't let them go to waste. Right. Do you have to do something special to uh, to protect the that film, those films, uh, keep them from aging or? Uh, just, uh, you know, climate controlled uh, the older films like nitrate film, you have to be more careful with them because they could break down, but I don't have anything that old. I see. And you know, they can deteriorate the nitrate based films and, you know, even spontaneously combust. Right. Yeah. Cause I'd heard about the studios were having problems with some of the really older films where they were degrading or even causing fires. So yeah. Huh. That's interesting. <clears throat> Well, um, Audie, what do you think? This was your second trip up there, right? Yeah. Uh, I have no words. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like a kid it in a candy store? Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I'm just walking around enjoying things. Just absorbing it all? Following uh, the tour. Yeah, yeah. What was your favorite part? Do you think was it the the old cars, the diorama, now the uh, interior of the uh, spaceship? Yeah, the Jupiter Two in the basement there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, 
<clears throat> so your basement, let's talk about that for just a little bit, because that's amazing in and of itself. So you've got one section of your basement, you've got the interior of the Jupiter two. Um, and then um, another part of the basement, you've got your, um, your theater where you can do screenings of films, right? And then you've got that Hollywood diner. And so how did you come up with the idea of creating these different spaces? What, what led you to do that, especially like the diner? Um, what made you think, well, I think I'll, I'll put a diner in this section. Well, I've always collected antiques and I started, uh, you know, collecting things like uh, pinball machines and, you know, jukeboxes and, uh, you know, some other things too that uh, uh, I didn't know what to really do with. But then, you know, all seemed to bless. Uh, I thought all those stuff would be uh, used in a diner. So I kind of built a room in the basement to resemble a diner so I could actually, uh, you know, make the you know, all those things look like they belong there. And then I just kind of expanded it to other uh, diner things. Hmm. And I always thought, you know, I could always film there too, if I needed a diner set. Yeah. I was, uh, I was particularly impressed by the fact that you've got that um, old uh, black and white tube TV in there that you can turn on and it actually displays um, um, uh, uh, Walter, Walter Cronkite, Cronkite. yeah, uh, talking about one of the moon launches. Um, so, how did you? Uh, where, so, did you? How did you? How did you do that? Where you're projecting that film? Is that like uh, saved on a DVD somewhere, and you're just feeding the video into that? Or yeah, I was always a big fan of the uh, space program, especially uh, in the '60s with the Gemini launch. So, I found that uh, you know there are uh, on YouTube, uh, you know you know, full-length coverage uh, videos of the launches. And huh. so I just, uh, you know, downloaded that and put it on a, uh, you know, VCR tape, which okay. uh, I can feed to the uh, old TV then you know, through the twin leads. Right. Huh. Yeah, that was pretty impressive. So, yeah, so there's a picture of uh, us uh, in the diner there watching uh, one of the uh, countdowns with Walter Cronkite. And then you've got some other fun props there. I know you've got uh, a newspaper that uh, talks about the uh, the clock tower um, from uh, Back to the Future um, needing to be repaired or replaced or something like that. So that's kind of fun. Is that something that you uh, found somewhere in order or did you print that yourself? Or Yeah, I, I got that online. And uh, it's, you know, of course... Back to the Future is one of my favorite movies, so I, you know, had to incorporate a few items from that. <laughs> sure. Yes, at least since that was set, set in 55, uh, you know, the you know, nice. scenes. See, and, I like the full, the pinball machine he's got in there. Yeah. And that's There's a working the... pinball machine, right? Yeah, yeah. Aaron was playing it. <laughs> did, yeah. So did you get that in working condition or did you repair that? I have a, a couple of them down there. Uh, the mechanical one's working right now, but uh, I have to uh, finish uh, restoring the, uh, you know, Close Encounters one. That's I working awesome. with, you know, originally awesome. bought it, but had a power supply burnout, so I'm restoring that right now. That is amazing. And he's got a working jukebox down there. In fact, uh, Jenna and, and Audie, we got videos, a video of Jenna and Audie Audi uh, rocking out to some of the music from the jukebox yesterday, which is really fun. So, I did enjoy that uh, old technology that actually still works. 
<laughs> or it works again. I always so, like the uh, 50s jukeboxes because they had a visible mechanism where you could watch the records actually being changed. Uh, yeah. And they went to the 60s, then they enclosed everything because they needed more space for the title cards. Uh. But this was actually the very first uh, jukebox that played 45 RPM records. In wow. Huh. Yeah, 40 years from now, no one's going to be able to restore an iPad and get it functional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's very no. true. But it's also nice that you know vinyl's still around. You can right. still, you know, buy new 45 RPM records. Yep. And I could go passing uh, CDs right now on vinyl. I could go to Target down the street for me and they have a whole section of brand new uh, LPs for purchase. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those technologies that like it just uh Hangs on. It's, yeah, hung, hung on and kept getting updated. Yeah, It's not too hard to get a, a, a turntable that has USB connectivity. And... Yeah, right. I had, uh, up until a couple of years ago, I had close to 2,500 albums uh, in my house. Wow. Thanks. I, there's just something, again, it's, it's one of those audiophile things where it's, I, I can tell you that I don't know that there's a distinct quality difference between uh, listening to CD or listening to the record, but it's, it's the process, you know, taking the record out of the sleeve, yeah. you know, on the turntable, clean it off, setting the needle. Um, so it's, it's, it's a romanticism, but uh, I ended up um, parting with my record collection with, uh, some exceptions. I, I still have about uh, 100 LPs, but I got rid of the vast majority of them because they were just taking up a lot of space. And I started collecting Transformers instead. And now that's taken up all space. Yeah, you don't see yeah, that stuff like uh, the artwork on the covers are always nice too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you don't see uh, that kind of uh, renaissance for stuff like eight track tapes or cassettes, interestingly. Um, well, you, you can never say never because uh, you know people might be uh, restoring a you know, iPad. Oh, that's true. You know things that grew up, things they uh, grew up with. You know, I like to restore things that I grew up with. Uh. Yeah, I remember uh, when I was a kid, my folks had a station wagon with an eight-track player in it, um, but it was uh, broken, and um, it it would only play a um, a single song. And they only had one eight track in the car. It was Johnny Cash, a boy named Sue. Oh, and they would God. just stick that in, I think, just to irritate us kids as we were driving around. And it would just repeat over and over and over oh. again. And I, uh, they would use it as a threat. You kids settle down back there. We're putting Johnny Cash in. Oh, that's bad. So, yeah. So I have kind of a mixed uh, mixed relationship with eight tracks. But um yeah, I grew I grew up with cassette tapes, and then we moved into CDs when I was a teenager. Mm. But I harbor yeah. I, I don't want to go back to those. Like I'm not nostalgic for those. Whereas I might give vinyl a try someday yeah. for certain favorite albums. Mm -hmm. I do I, not. I, I share that stuff. I, I feel the same way. Yeah. How about you, Charles? Any uh, particular <clears throat> love of vinyl, or yeah, or, or do I miss? Do I miss yeah. the um, 
that way you call that, that that kind of wobble sound from uh tapes yeah right oh. yeah <laughs> and, and and knowing that at one point that that music sounded a little a little different was a little quicker right <laughs> i don't know yeah <laughs> I, yeah the um yeah <laughs> Charles doesn't know where to go. Yeah, I've always. Well, I've I'll always... tell you, I, I went. This just maybe it's interest some people or not. But uh, when I was just out of college as an engineer, and, and I worked for a small firm, it seemed like we had like uh, there was a phase where people wanted um, they bought record players. And it was just kind of an odd phase where, where people wanted their floors stiffened. So, oh, so that they could dance or whatever without knocking the record. Right. Off. And it was very short lived because it was just like right there. I think it was right there on the cusp of CDs taking over. So being an architect, they reached out to you or your firm. And or an engineer. Yeah. Yeah. We strengthen the floor here so people can dance stiffen and it up. Exactly. Knock the needle around. And, and so I don't know if anybody ever finished uh, the project of stiffening their floors or, or getting a better situation, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but, but every so often I laugh to myself, there's got to be somebody that did. <laughs> right. <laughs> like right before. Right before the technology changed on them. <laughs> yeah, One of the that, big problems that, with early CDs, though, is that they skipped too. Yeah, they did. Like that yeah. was the first digital yeah. music, but those skipped all over the place. Yeah, I remember having a Discman that had ten second anti skip in it. Yeah, and that was yeah primo technology, man. Yep. Yeah. 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 And now you can put, you know, entire uh, collections on a little memory stick and uh, carry it around in your back pocket and not have to worry about it. Now it just all comes from the Internet. It's right. All, now it's just your phone. Right. Right. And we have T-shirts and hats and cups and all kinds yeah. of cool stuff. What was your favorite part, Linda? <laughs> Watching everybody run around like crazed weasels. Getting photos. and <laughs> I mean, like excited kids happy to. Oh my god, that was fun and cool. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it was it, nice, it was like letting them re releasing them into a playground. <laughs> you know, it was nice to be able to cosplay again because it had been so long yeah. since we dressed up. And uh, so I know a number of us dressed up there, and, and we had uh, <clears throat> some friends even come in from out of town. Uh, Steve uh, Bossardert, a uh, friend of ours, uh, came in from uh, Minneapolis, and uh, Julie Thomas came up from Kansas City. And uh, we all kind of drove up to Lyons to spend the day up there with Bill and and tour that fantastic place. And uh, we got to cosplay. You can see some of us. There's my me and my mad scientist. And Linda was a river song from Doctor Who. And of course, Josh uh, does his uh, fantastic 10th uh, uh, Doctor uh, cosplay. And um, Julie, she's uh, cosplaying as Missy, also from Doctor Who. And then Steve back there in the background, uh, he did uh, a pirate and uh, kept telling him he's he's got the great basis for a, like an airship pirate if you wanted to get into mm -hmm. steampunk. And then Katie's got her great steampunk outfit on. So, uh, so yeah, it was, it was uh, great to be able to do that and see uh, friends and kind of get together as a group again. And uh, uh, nice to see that. So gives you a good, I had... good feeling. 
I had mentioned to Julie by the end of the day that this felt the most like being at a convention for over a year, you know, yeah. surrounded by friends goofing around in costumes, stopping to take a bunch <laughs> yeah. of pictures. And right. by the end, of, you know, stopping briefly to just shove food in your head. Uh, it, yeah. Didn't, yeah. it didn't even matter what I was eating. It's just I need to get food in me. And then. Right powering through a, a, another few hours and you know by the end of the day i i think we're all just tuckered out and and had a lot of fun it, it was uh it was it was nice doing something that that felt relative and i know this is kind of funny but relatively normal right and, yeah. uh yeah um, relative yeah being <laughs> being out with friends and and yeah exploring a bit Right. Um, right. Well, and, and I was missing uh, <clears throat> the uh, vendors and the uh, panels. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Jo Josh could have did a panel on Doctor Who. Yeah, easily. <laughs> I've I've done several panels and they all run the same way, which is I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. We're going to make it up once we all sit down. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll have to do panels at an upcoming uh, Cosmic Con. Well, you know, Josh was explaining uh, some of the, the props he was making. That was interesting to me. Yeah. My, mine are mostly, they need to look good on camera from about five to 10 feet back. But when you get up close and start looking them over, they, they, they tend to lose some of the appeal. No, that's all you need is for them to look good on camera. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the nice thing about going to Bill's place there is, you know, you actually can get up and and uh, do a little bit of hands-on with the props too sometimes and uh it's nice to be able to do that kind of touch and feel some of that stuff and uh you know especially like those giant old knife switches those are just awesome to kind of play with and and uh, get your hands on so uh we'll got to pull the levers and push the buttons that's right that's what it's all about. There I am. Without uh, getting kicked out or banned. Right. <laughs> For a change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was great fun. And then uh, <clears throat> kind of in keeping with that theme yesterday, after we got back to Omaha, um, a bunch of us got together on the veranda here and we watched uh, uh, a uh, 1959 campy sci-fi movie called prince of space i guess it originally started out as a series right josh you kind of looked it up what uh so i i did it was and i can't remember the name of it but it was a japanese film series that um they'd done three or four films of and it has the same characters basically in in every movie but they um, they condensed it down to a single film for American audiences. And I actually have a picture of Bill uh, enjoying the movie, uh, which will tell you exactly how good this film was. Oh, <laughs> oh, he had a long day. <laughs> I had a long um, day. You guys forget that I'm, I get up at like 545 every morning to take care of my dogs. Oh, and and my day just goes on from there. So by, you know, 11 or 12 o'clock when we're watching this show, I'm ready to, to call it. I, so I, I, pro, I, I would not be surprised if I'm the only one in that room who even remotely enjoyed that movie. But um, <laughs> it, I enjoyed it because it reminded me a lot of um, 
under the skin. No, uh, <laughs> it's 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 got oh, God that movie. Um, it's it's very much, you know, Japanese sci-fi. Uh, uh, it reminds you a lot of Power Rangers, where it's the the same recycled plot over and over and over again. But the the costumes were hokey, but in a really creative, like '60s sci-fi kind of way. Same thing with the um, the, the the spaceship designs and. I, I don't know. There's just something about it that hits a sweet spot for me where I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. The, the plot is terrible and, and the movie runs about 45 minutes too long. But I would probably watch it again and enjoy it. Yeah. That's I good mean, feedback. I'll have to watch it now. Oh, it was <laughs> yeah. er, early sci- you see a lot of like early sci-fi is like that. And it, it was just, you know, people were hadn't figured it out so there was a lot more experiment experimenting going on right you could do these space movies with models and it was and you didn't there was no cgi you had to add so whatever you could make work you made work it was basically men running around in long underwear yeah i think uh, (laughs) i think one of the most memorable part of the movies for me and uh and i'm sure seth you'll remember this as well because i thought you were going to fall off your chair laughing was when uh the prince of space is flying to attack the uh the base of the villain and they're shooting him with these like cardboard tubes that are supposed to be like guns sticking out of pillars or something and and they they shoot his ship but i think they hit the support wire and the ship just drops like a rock (laughs) and uh, we got him (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was uh that was like a a classic uh mistake i don't think it was supposed to happen that way but uh, they just left it in because it worked the the throne room with the cage that dropped down from the top and they said well you know it what they call it a griddle griddle griddle. yes (laughs) yes they they had him trapped on the griddle and they were going to to cook him and then these these guns came out from the walls like and it it wasn't even a small two or three guns i could understand they had like 30 of these guns <laughs> pop out of the walls all aimed at this and i remember i remarked at the time it's like how many people have they had to kill in this throne room <laughs> yes. that they have yeah. equipped like this right. See, there's the there, there's a movie i want to see is why did they put in all these guns yeah, yeah. Right. right just in how bad a shot are they that they need like 30 some guns in order to take out one one or two people what did they I... have to kill in there the the most interesting fight for me so the the home planet and i can't remember the name of it um the the prince of space is flying towards the the evil home crankor he's flying towards crankor to to rescue these americans well not american these earth scientists that have (laughs) been been uh, taken captive and there's a a giant colossus outside (laughs) the uh emperor's castle and it's it's an incredible um i i can't even begin to describe the the makeup effects they put on this thing it's it a was space awful. ogre yeah space space, ogre. It, it, it looked like it melted but <laughs> they had the the model this practical effects spaceship flying around this 
obviously clearly just guy in a suit um off a wire at yeah oh god yep oh. that was it and space uh, ogre <laughs> yeah and just watching the tiny spacecraft fly around this thing it, again He's they're going. doing the they're doing their best <laughs> with what they have but uh, there's just something about it where i'm like i i just love it it's incredible some charm yeah yep. charming. Right. Mm-hmm. yeah there's there's still i there i think there should be a lasting place for the classic sci-fi yeah like well i, I think, think there's a place for the classic books yeah and like well, yeah and i think bill you mentioned you have some classic sci-fi stuff that uh that you collect as well right yeah i enjoy uh yeah a lot of the cheesy uh b sci-fi movies from the 50s and 60s yeah you have a favorite i mean other obviously lost in space but well uh you know know, lost in space is my favorite tv series and star trek the original one but you know uh, i like uh, you know a lot of the uh oh of course you know the bigger budget ones like forbidden planet but yeah those the uh ed wood ones too uh, they're kind of uh, fun to watch now i in fact my my movies would probably, uh, you know, play pretty well back then. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm sure they would. You know, something just dawned on me. I think I know why I like Prince of Space and, and honestly why I, I love watching the, the Cosmic Cat films. Um, there is a level of imagination and wonderment that goes along with these where... Um, a lot of sci-fi today in particular gets bogged down in well this would technically be feasible and this is a natural evolution of the human process and it's it's very bleak and dismal a lot of current sci-fi and when i watch cosmic cat or or prince of space it's just hey imagine um, you know drop your pre you know preconceptions and just think of the possibilities of the unknown in outer space and the future and mm-hmm. what wonderment you can see mm-hmm. if you're you're just out traveling and i i think that's why i really enjoy watching things like that and when i watch you know Felis Caddis or or any of the episodes that uh, uh bill's done i get that same sense of you know it's it's just about the what could be possible out there don't don't get bogged down the details don't overthink it just let your imagination go and have fun while you're on the adventure and i think i really enjoy that aspect of it yeah and enjoy the story don't get caught up so much in the details i think big budget movies anymore you know they have to play it safe so you know so so expensive you can't you know do anything experimental or you know fun you know because you don't want to risk that Right. That, yeah, that's that's a good word for it. It's just fun. And mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like even Star Wars, and I, I use this loosely with Star Wars being sci-fi, but um, they take it so seriously anymore that when I watch the, the most recent films, I'm like, I, you know, visually it's incredible, but I'm not having fun watching this. Mm-hmm. I think you had a good point about uh, a lot of the are a lot of current sci-fi being very serious and uh kind of you know, dark depressing whereas bleak. In, yeah bleak 
Whereas I think uh, a lot from the the era of sci-fi that they use the classic films, uh, the classic uh, Star Trek uh, that came out of that period, it was mm-hmm. very optimistic and right. Yeah, lots of. Can you imagine how awesome it's going to be when we get to space and all the things we'll see and do? And yeah, all the all the current sci-fi is just doom and gloom. All yeah. the horrible things that can happen to you in space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me ask. Uh, let me ask all you guys uh, to weigh in on this. Um, when you watch a, a sci-fi series, um, do you prefer series that have like the season-long arc, or do you prefer more of an anthology type thing where each show is kind of a standalone, and uh, you can tune in and watch that, and then next week it's it's a different story. We'll start start with Chris. I don't have a preference. I, I could go either way. I do enjoy story. Uh, I do enjoy long arcs, but I think it depends on the story. So um, I like I like shows where I can drop in on any episode and just get into it. But yeah. at the same time, I also like shows where if the effort's put into it um, and there's a story to tell that, that they take the series to do it. Um, sometimes there's not a lot of different things to talk about and sometimes there is. So uh, I could go either way. It really just depends on the story. So I have been a big fan over the last few years of shows um, that, you know, were particularly, you know, each episode was a different story. Um, yeah, yeah. And I've seen a shift to one season being an entire story arc. And I have I have actually enjoyed that quite a bit lately, but I don't know that I have a personal preference. Okay. I, I think I agree with Chris. Um, mm-hmm. Doctor Who's done... <clears throat> back and forth Stephen Moffat's era in particular where it would have these threads that he would plant early in the season and then maybe even a season or two later he would tug on them and tie all these these plot points together but I'm watching my way through uh Star Trek original series um for the first yeah I know I'm way behind uh and <laughs> um honestly I love it because I can go back and and there's there's episodes where I'm like this episode was fantastic this episode was fantastic and I can just go back and watch them and it's like revisiting an old friend yeah Mm -hmm. and I don't have to worry about well I'm dropping in in the middle of a Mm -hmm. storyline it's you know for example the the gangster planet episode you could just pop that on and enjoy it for what it is right um and, and not have to worry about well you know what were they doing two episodes before where's this going um not that i don't appreciate those things the um deep space nine when they got into the dominion wars and stuff like that it really did add some gravitas to the series but Mm -hmm. yeah i'm i'm kind of with chris i think i could go either way it really just depends yeah that was a piece of the action was the episode you're talking about there of star trek yeah, that was yep. one of one of my favorites there. Especially, I I think I I never laughed my head off so hard as when uh, Spock was trying to uh, act like a gangster, and he says, <laughs> "I would advise you to keep dialing Oxmix." He's talking to one of the one of the gangsters on the planet there. Yeah, that that just I love that episode. How about you, Bill? What uh, what do you think? Uh, do you like anthology series, or do you like more of a season long arc kind of thing, or? Mostly, I like this uh, the standalone uh, yeah. series, but uh, you know some series kind of work uh, as an arc too. Like you know, Resident Alien, I you know really enjoyed following that through yeah. different episodes. And right. Even my series, uh, I like to do it standalone, but 
you know, there's a loose overall art too that, you know, kind of builds towards, uh, but I, I, I like them standalone. Yeah. How about you, Linda? Um, I kind of with Chris, it kind of depends on the story. Um, yeah. I feel like I get more invested in watching them though, if it's a, a season one art. Yeah. Because it's too easy to say, I mean, if it's, it's like, man, it's Sunday night. I got to watch this. Cause I want to know what's, what's going to happen versus it's just an individual story. And I'm like, nah, if I miss it, it's not a big deal. Yeah. I, here's a question then for you, Linda. As somebody that that sat through Game of Thrones, and and I understand you you can't do like individual episode arcs with that, but when you get that invested with something that's telling a story, and then they they um, uh, take liberties with it that that might leave people disappointed, uh, do you feel worse off at that point? Because I know, like, if I'm watching again Star Trek original series, and they have an episode where I'm like, well that one wasn't so good but it doesn't impact the characters it doesn't impact the storyline it's just that particular adventure was just kind of eh. yeah. I, I don't feel bad about it but i know when i've watched tv series that do have overarching plots and they they kind of drop the ball at the end i'm like you yeah that you have invested all of this time yeah. but then you also learn that you don't you know preconceive an ending you don't think you know what's going to happen because it may not so yeah um it is it is disappointing when they don't well first for instance using game of thrones as a perfect example they rushed the end they just went crazy at the end and i think tried to get out as much as they could to call it the end and i don't like that they they just I, tried to do it that fast i agree with that and i feel like it's yeah. I feel I don't know if some of that was because they decided the number of seasons they were going to have before they find before they actually got to the end. Yeah, I, I don't I don't understand that. I, I think I think you go until the story's done. Don't, yeah. don't call the ending and then get close to the end of the runway. And like, oh, no, we got to figure this out. We got to we got to wrap things up. I yeah. don't think that's the way to go. It so. was rushed. Yeah. Yeah. All How right. about Charles? Yeah, Charles. There's a lot going on now. I will tell you something because I that's a pet peeve. I do not like it when a series ends on a cliffhanger. Oh yes. yeah, that's oh yeah. Which right. I just uh, just got exposed to with a. Um... <laughs> Actually, I was starting to get a little little ticked the other night because I uh, I realized because of the pandemic that I was just kind of happy to have shows to watch. Yeah. And I had stopped caring about the script in a way. So I've watched some shows where I, I couldn't even tell you what they are now because no one said anything interesting at all. <laughs> yeah. Right? But you had something to watch. But I have something. And, and, I, and, I, and I'm wanting to, uh, and, I, and I just watched another show like that. And I went, well, that's not going to happen anymore because <laughs> I'm not. I'm not stuck at home now. <laughs> so some of these series are going to have to, if, if they're going to maintain my, my time, they have to pick it up a notch again. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, I'm <laughs> otherwise. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, so to me, it doesn't matter if it's a series or a movie or whatnot, as long as they've left me, I like to be left with something, whether it's a quote 
you know, if it's a new idea, okay, but that's kind of hard to come by. Or some mm-hmm. moral thing, moral lesson. Yeah, I mean, this is the Star Treks. The, the originals were always fun because even even if they were cheesy, they were probably at the time novel moral concepts. Yeah. Um, I mean, and so that that was that was always those were always fun to watch just because of that. Right. Um, cool. But yeah, I I'm. I'm I'm a little worried we're being overwhelmed with the Netflix and stuff with mm-hmm. uh, just stuff that's it's it's um mm-hmm. uh, I I'm seeing stuff now that's like I I remember it was I think it oh god which was it was South Park making fun of the Family Guy right where they had like a porpoise was choosing the plots <laughs> okay and I just. I, I've seen a couple of things on that have come by Netflix, and that's what it, that's what it looks like right there. It looks like um, somebody just threw threw something at the dictionary, right? <laughs> right, and we're just now now we're gonna have skunk people take over the world. Skunk people, <laughs> and that's gonna stink. Or some, yeah. yeah. Oh, Linda with the pun. <laughs> <laughs> well constant exposure does result in a certain degree, certain degree of contamination, of contamination. Yeah. <laughs> contamination. Yeah. yes all right audie how about you yeah i like the uh, long arch as far as character development yeah and build on the plot uh, mm. like the first uh, next generation first season yeah uh it took me like five episodes before I even got interested in it. Yeah. Because they had to. It's really work to do to build your interest. Them. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But then again, they also had the same thing, Next Generation. They had standalones. Some of them were just awesome. Yeah. And other ones that I thought they could have just left that one out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Seth? I kind so I I kind I agree with Chris. I like there there is there there's a lot to love about the one-off episodes. Mm-hmm. But my brain kind of needs them to not be completely disconnected from one another. Mm. Uh so if something happens in one episode that affects a character, yeah. Like their kid dies or something in the next episode, I don't want it to be like, "Oh, Hey guys, life is great. Nothing yeah. happened. Nothing bad has ever happened to me before. Yeah. yeah, right. Like that. That'll that'll trip my author trigger. I, I, <laughs> actually, I want to throw something else in here. Yeah, because I I and this is a for me. It's a positive for some people. <clears throat> it might not be, but I realized I was seeing the death of something um, with the way shows are presented now, where you can watch them whenever. Mm-hmm. Which is, um, I'm not seeing the Christmas special. Oh, oh they still do that. Do they for some of them? I haven't yeah. seen a Christmas special one. Yeah, it used to be right when you get around to the holidays, you have a special. Yeah, or, or if you missed it, yeah. you had to watch it in July. Supernatural. Doctor did Who's that. kind of big on the Christmas special, right? Yeah, well, that. Cool. That tends to be when they regenerate the doctor. That's that's just kind of been tradition forever. Um, I think there's rumors that this might be Jody's last year. 
um, mm. as the 13th doctor. And then I wouldn't be surprised if, if they regenerate on the Christmas special and then you get brand new doctor again already. Yeah. Um, are, are you going to do a Christmas special bill? Uh, you, know, you probably could do it like a, uh, you know, Halloween special though. Oh, oh that'd yeah. be fun, I, especially with the black well, cat. That'd be perfect. Yeah, maybe a short, like a like a five minute Halloween short. <laughs> so, I was actually thinking of doing some really, you know, you know, short shorts. Uh, you know, just that would take as long to film and you know, real real specialized and something like that. So nice. to kind of uh, re resurrect uh, Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> there you go. Hey, she's still here. <laughs> this is Schrodinger. Oh, okay. <laughs> Resurrected already. Yeah, there we go. Resurrected. It's possible with my series, so I, I'm willing to try anything. Nice. That's the spirit. Um, to kind of finish out my thought, uh, what I do like about series that have a a set story. Even if you have to watch it week to week, they'll they. I, I find that with series that are episode by episode, the if they survive and they're popular, they go on that's far too long for the series. Like X Files, uh, it kept going on even after they'd lost uh, Fox as a character. Yeah. And had to you got you start replacing characters and it's never quite good enough when you're keep trying to keep stuff fresh. Rekindle on that that's magic been around for a yeah. decade. Right. So, I yeah. mean uh so I, I like like uh with uh I mean it even happened with Babylon five, even because they had to come up with an entire new season on the fly. They lost characters, and mm. uh, that final season just wasn't as good. But those first four seasons were really good because J. Michael Straczynski had a story, he had a plan, and mm. it was for four seasons nice. to tell his story. Right. All right. Well, actually, I, see we're... I think it was actually for five seasons. They found out they weren't going to get a fifth season, so they crammed everything they could into the fourth season. Yes. And then they found out they were going to get a fifth season and like, had to <laughs> stretch. Real fast, um, there's there's one glaring example where they mixed those formats, where they had an episodic series, but then they threw some continuity in it. Um, so I grew up with the Transformers cartoon, and uh -huh. it was very episodic. Season one, episodic, season two, episodic, and then the animated movie came out. And the animated movie, they killed off almost all the characters in the first 10 minutes of the film, oh my God. including oh no! Optimus Prime, and then reintroduced a whole bunch of, of new characters. Season three, like which was also episodic, <laughs> came out. Um, but the big difference was, is they took the movie as canon. So if you didn't get to see the movie, between season two and season three, the entire cast changed. You were given no explanation and went back to episodic format. Well, I mean, that's partially because they were they're selling toys. Well, yeah, like yeah. the the uh, Transformers was just a long form commercial. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it worked. I've got a bunch of them. <laughs> I know, and I've seen them, and I'm so jealous. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to be able to convince Katie, my Katie to get me uh, 
some of those transformers that you've got. Can't you it's 3D better print to some? ask forgiveness than permission? Oh, don't start oh, that. I've seen the price mm. on some of those, and no, no, it's not. <laughs> can't you can't you 3D print some? Uh, you can actually, but uh, like you're printing just so, you have to be very, very precise because uh, you have to have all these little parts that you print absolutely perfectly uh, so it all fits wow. together. And actually, Seth, there's um, there's a guy that's been creating uh, large scale transformable like MP scale transformers you could 3D print. Um, I'll, mm. I'll send you some of the STL files. You might get a kick out of that. Yeah, I might. All right. All right. Well, uh, it's been a great episode. Uh, I want to thank uh, Josh Cato and uh, Bill Hedges for joining us. And uh, also, Bill, thanks again for the wonderful tour and the hospitality yesterday, showing yes, us around and <clears throat> letting us do our, uh, yep. Yay. Yeah. Do uh, our... Quick before we do final sign off. Yeah. Uh, Bill, once again, where do we find uh, your stuff and the Cosmic Cat episodes uh, and contact information if people want to see the stuff you've built out there? I think it was the website. I do have a YouTube channel with the, you know, all the episodes and other stuff uh, on it. And But uh, one of the links to the website is uh, Cosmic Cat, uh, I mean, uh, CosmicFilmStudio.com. And then that has links to, uh, you know, not only things about the studio and films, but other, you know, you know, things I'm interested in too, like Lost in Space or uh, astronomy or anything. All right. Well, also, uh, you know, some of the other uh, things that have been developed in lines, like the storefront theater. We will make sure to include links to those in the show notes this week. So look for them uh, down below the doobly do. The doobly do. The doobly do. That's what it's called. <laughs> All right. We'll look forward to seeing you again soon, Bill. Yeah, I really enjoyed your uh, visit the other day. <laughs> well, good. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, thanks. To Josh, too. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Yes, Appreciate it. You, Josh. Happy <clears throat> to pop in. And uh, we will catch you all on the next show. Until then, be safe out there and uh, keep, uh, keep watching the science fiction. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit our website at galacticdriftwood.space or subscribe to us on YouTube. And now, please deactivate your cranial downlinks, collect your towels, and be sure to watch your step as you exit our gravity well.